Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan lost its first game of the season to rival Michigan State 37-33. to What went wrong and well for the Wolverines, and where do they go from here? We've got answers on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to see you again here. We're recording on Monday morning. Sunday night just seemed like too quick of a turnaround after spending, you know, more than 12 hours with you guys on Saturday, driving back and forth from Ann Arbor. East Lansing, we witnessed a classic game, you know, one that that lived up to the hype. That's for sure. They don't always these games, but this one did. Of course, it just didn't go Michigan's way. You know, now that I've sat on the game for a bit and rewatched some, I think Michigan played pretty darn well. I mean, they struggled in in one particular area that cost them the game, but but overall on the road against another really good team, an encouraging performance is, is what I'm thinking. What say you two? I agree. You know, I think I said that after the game, like. If you're a fan of football, you I would think you enjoyed Saturday's game. But obviously, you're if you're a Michigan fan, you're you know you're, you're stinging right now. You know this is a tough loss, a game you could have and probably should have won. But it was it was a fun game. I mean, I've been on the Michigan beat now since 2017, and that was probably probably the best football game I've I've seen Michigan play. I mean, top to bottom, I, I thought they you know they came out of the gate really quickly, and we get into this here in a minute. You know, and they had opportunities to put points on the board, back and forth, came down to the wire. They had a chance to win it. But man, Kenneth Walker is so darn good. And even if you're a Michigan fan, I think you got to give him credit. I mean, he's by far the best back they've seen, will be the best back they've seen all year. I hesitate saying this, but geez, give the guy the Heisman Trophy already. Oh, all right. All right. No, I, I agree there, but I don't know if uh, if Jim Harbaugh would agree with you, Andrew, that it was an encouraging performance. He definitely did not see very encouraged after the game with, in his, what, 140 word, 170 words, whatever his transcript was after the game. But yeah, no, like it's when Michigan was up, got up 16 points in the second half. It's like, wow, is this going to be a, a statement win? And again, red zone issues come back to, to kill Michigan and not being able to stop Walker. And all of a sudden, I mean, they had what 150 over hundred more than 150 yards of offense, more than mission state and, and still weren't able to get the job done. So got to be frustrated if, if you're the Wolverines, that's for sure. More than 150 yards of total offense difference. They ran 16 more plays. They had a nearly 10 minute time of possession advantage still lost. But it's not like they, you know, committed like a ton of turnovers or whatever. That was even too. Like, I know that up 16, midway through the third quarter, you know, more often than not, you win those games. I just, I don't feel like Michigan blew it by any means. I mean, Michigan State went and, went and took it. And and as you mentioned, I mean, it all gets back to, to Kenneth Walker III. I mean, first of all, imagine how good that Wake Forest offense would be with him. Both Walker's current team and his former team are 8-0. and And Aaron, where'd you rank Wake Forest? Because they're in the top 10 for the first time in school history. They were in the top 10, I, nine or 10. I had to go back and well. Michigan. Okay, I can tell you that. I had Michigan. There you go. Very, very nice. My dad will be happy. Um, why couldn't they stop him? Do you, have, do you have a good answer? I mean, he's, he's just very, very good. He, he made himself, you know, talk about running backs making themselves skinny when they get through the hole. I mean, he 
he practically disappeared at times before popping out and bouncing off tackles and just five touchdowns under 96, seven yards, something like that. It was, it was impressive. It goes back to his vision. You know, something we talked about last week, the guy like isn't the fastest guy in the world, like out of the break, but he's able to like identify holes and see holes and bounce off tackles. And, you know, I rewatched the game partially this morning and some of the runs he had, I mean, he had nowhere to go and he just kind of like, waited in, and then waited for a burst and then found it and scored. I mean, the guy is just incredible. You know, he's got that second level speed and that kind of vision. You know, I don't think Michigan State's offensive line is anything great. I think they're fine. Obviously, they do the job. But I, Kenneth Walker, you know, he's a fine back in and of himself. And, and I think he makes that offensive line look good. He makes Michigan State's running game obviously look good. And he just got stronger, I thought, as the game went on. You know, I, I think... Michigan really struck first. You know, they had the two two interceptions there and they're there in the first half. They went up, you know, 10 to nothing early, left some points on the board. But as the game went on, Michigan State, I thought, adjusted very well on both sides of the ball. And then Kenneth Walker just got stronger as the game went on. I mean, five touchdowns, nearly 200 yards rushing. It, it seemed like later, later in the game, Michigan had fewer answers for him. They had trouble tackling him, wrapping him up. He just went to show that, you know, he, he confirmed what I think some of us thought, that maybe he was one of the best running backs in the country. 11 missed tackles for Michigan on Saturday, the most they've had all season. A lot of them were against Walker. And yeah, like, like you said, like he evades one tackle near the line of scrimmage and then he hits that second level and Michigan didn't have anyone left to contain him. And he goes, rips off a, a few big gains. So yeah, really impressed with Walker, but yeah, Michigan's tackling was, was not very good on, on Saturday at all. Maybe this is getting into the weeds too much, but I mean, could they have done more defensively schematically? to try to load up against him. I don't know. Like when you get a big lead, you kind of feel like the other team has to throw the ball to come back on you. That wasn't the case. Michigan state just struck with big run plays. I don't know. I mean, Michigan state Payne Thorne did make some throws when he needed to a couple fourth down, you know, completion. So I don't know. Do you, you think, you know, they could have done something differently. Here's the thing. Michigan state, I thought had a very good game plan offensively coming into the game. They stretched Michigan on, on the field, North and South early on. You saw Peyton Thorne throwing the ball, getting outside the pocket and throwing outside the numbers and it helped stretch Michigan's defense out. And then later in the game where, you know, I think it opened things up for Kenneth Walker. Could they have done some more? Perhaps maybe they could have stacked the box a little bit more and thrown some more guys, you know, over the middle. It maybe would have cut down some of the, the big gains from Walker. I don't know if it would have ended, you know, changed the result or changed the, the scoring. But Michigan State's passing game, I thought, was more than potent enough. I mean, you look at, they had, again, several different receivers involved. You know, Jane Reed, six catches, 80 yards. Jalen Naylor, four catches, 75 yards. They had guys there. The, the passing game was working, especially during the second half. They, they were very balanced. I mean, it was, if you look at Michigan State's offensive numbers, I mean, 196 to the air, 199 on the ground. They were kind of what Michigan ideally would like to look like except Michigan had to lean more on their passing game Saturday because they couldn't get the run game going. So it's hard to say, you know, maybe they could have done a little bit more, but who's to say that Michigan State wouldn't have burned on the outside and, you know, the secondary and the pass defense, I thought was a different story. And we can get into that here in a minute. You want to know what they could have done differently? Stop freaking substituting every time Michigan State was going tempo. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that cost them multiple times. It's like, like, like keep the guy, like, yeah, I know you love to rotate guys, but like, you can't do that when Michigan's going up tempo. Like, what are you doing? And it tossed them multiple times. You nailed it. And that's been an issue all season long. They've been slow to sub. They've been slow to react, to get guys on the field. And it really didn't burn them up until that point. 
And then you saw Michigan State try and up, you know, up the tempo, uh, go fast paced. Michigan got flagged a couple of times. They that second touch, Michigan State touchdown was a direct result of Michigan not being set and ready at the line. Mike Morris was literally still strapping his helmet when the ball was snapped. I'm like, that is, you can't let that happen. Yeah, and I think Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator this year, has made it a point of obviously reading what the opposing offenses were throwing on the field and and quickly reacting. But when you got up-tempo defense or offense like Michigan State was running on Saturday, you know, that just doesn't work. You're going to get flagged. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get caught, you know, being slow. And I think that was both situations for Michigan, and it didn't work out. You know, there's still communication issues clearly with the defense. We thought maybe we would have seen more of those early in the year. They've done a decent job of disguising those and just having a better defense than, than most of the opposing teams they've played so far. But when you've got that that drastic of a run game and that good of a run game and, and running back in Kenneth Walker, you're just you're not going to get away with with those type of mistakes. And Michigan didn't on Saturday. You know that's what went wrong that we we talked about in the intro here. But as far as you know went went well. I thought you know if you go to the other side of the ball, Cade McNamara played maybe his best game you know in a, in a Michigan uniform. You know, the, the touchdown throws to Andrew Anthony to kind of start the game there. And one of those uh, is JJ's. Yes. Yes. The, the plural of throws is then the, the one to Anthony and then the one to San Ristel that put Michigan up 16. They both seemed like easy throws, you know, guys open, you hit them and he just goes from there. But like he made the play easy because he released it at the perfect time and he hit the receiver in stride. Perfect ball placement, too. I mean, those were just really accurate on time throws. And those are just two examples. I mean, there, there were many of them, you know, he was under a little bit of pressure in this game too, um, you know, throughout. And I just thought he played, you know, e- extremely well. Yeah. Well, what did you guys make of, of McNamara's performance? Generally agree with you at the time, especially Saturday, I thought Kate McNamara had a fantastic game and, and he did. It was, I think it was by far his best game of the year, partly because he had to play well. Michigan was clearly had to lean on the passing game. They started that way. They were throwing the ball earlier a little bit more than they have in the past. You saw what was going on with the run game. They weren't exactly breaking those big those big runs. I think they had one run over the, over 20 yards for the game. So they had to throw the ball. I thought Kate was fine. Uh, when I went back and watched, rewatched the game, I, I did think he missed some receivers. He overthrew a couple of guys, especially in the end zone on like second, third, third down that maybe he could have had. And there's one in particular, I think Mike Sand was still in the end zone. He had a you know half a step beat on, on the defender and, and Kate just sailed the passes. So there, there were a couple I think he could have hit that he probably should have. But yeah, I, I did think it was his best game. He certainly wasn't the reason he lo- Michigan lost. You know, he did after the game Saturday, he did take the blame. And he said, that he, you know, there were things, you know, during those final couple of drives that he thought he could have done better and, and you know, not thrown that interception. But yeah, I thought he played fine. He really utilized the tight ends all game long, as we kind of talked about as the game went on. I mean, he hit Eric all 10 times, for 98 yards. Luke Schoonmaker was involved. Um, you know, Andrell Anthony, you know, he's probably worth a conversation by himself, but, you know, he had a fantastic game. So, yeah, he pretty much, again, this has been a, I feel like this has been a broken record all season long. He did what was asked of him. I thought he was effective doing so. He didn't really put Michigan in a position to lose. You know, I'm not going to peg that late interception for the reason they lost. Michigan really struggled in the red zone. Part of it was, I think, play calling. Part of it was some missed opportunities, some penalties. Yeah, he was fine by and large. Yeah, I definitely think we should get into Andrew Anthony because, I mean, this is a guy that didn't have any catches all year until Saturday, and then he just burst on us. And he looked the part, too. He looked like he knew what he was doing on every route, made some good catches, was getting open. You could see his speed on on that 93-yarder. He just blew by all the Michigan State defenders. It's like, 
where has this guy been? Like Michigan hasn't had much production from production from the receivers all season. And then you just have this guy just waiting in the wings and it turns out to be, I mean, it's just one game, but very impressive. And it's like, you have to believe he's going to be on the field more often than not moving forward because again, Michigan hasn't really received much production from, from other guys. I mean, I was, I looked at this today and Cornelius Johnson this year, has been targeted 40 times and he only has 22 catches. And that's, that's your number one receiver. Again, I think there's a lot more to be desired out of him, but big game for Andrell. And I think he should be more of a focal point here moving forward. It really dawned on me when Andrell went up for that touchdown catch that JJ McCarthy threw to him on Saturday, where he had to go up and get it. That Michigan really doesn't have a receiver that has shown like an ability to do that. Like that used to be Nico Collins or Donovan Peoples-Jones could occasionally do that type of thing. Michigan doesn't really have those type of receivers. It very much aligns, I think, with what Michigan's trying to run offensively, that you know shotgun, out-of-the-pocket type offense, not necessarily the RPO style. And I think I said this to you guys after the game on Saturday, but where was where's Andrew Anthony been all year? I understand, I guess, the idea of surprise and building him up for this game and getting him ready. And, you know, so the element of surprise against Michigan State, I get it. I feel like he's a guy, based on what we saw Saturday, now obviously it's one game, it's a small sample size, but, I mean, he he seems like a guy that should have been on the field much, much sooner this year, just based off of what he brings. I think he's a different different type of receiver, brings different elements of the offense, and I think, you know, is it's certainly a positive. It's, uh, you know, Ryan wrote about it. I mean, it, it is an incredible story. I mean, you can't really be the the hero of the game when when your team loses, but man, so much about Anthony's performance made it made it impressive in East Lansing native, you know, true freshman, no catches coming in, as Ryan mentioned, first first one then to be, you know, the longest play from scrimmage in the, you know, 114 year history of this rivalry is pretty amazing. And then, yeah, it wasn't just some, all right, one fluke play. I mean, he he played well the, the, the rest of the game, too. So really amazing. And yeah, could be big for Michigan going forward. I have to think so. I mean, he, he should be a regular focus of, of the offense. We've heard his name come up. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has mentioned him. You know, he's been working out with J.J. McCarthy a ton. We've we've obviously seen J.J. McCarthy quite a bit this year. Yeah, they need to get him involved, and I suspect they will. This is kind of like, I think this is kind of like the opening for him. You know, he did play a couple of snaps last week, and, you know, he was full throttle Saturday, and I expect that to be the case going forward. We'll see. I mean, we saw, you know, of course, you know, Roman Wilson had a breakout game against Wisconsin and, you know, he was hurt and then, you know, he hasn't really done anything since. So you, you just don't know how, the, how these things will go. But yeah, I mean, kind of bigger picture, you know, Michigan, the, the, the players that spoke to the media afterwards, you know, talked about, you know, the season's not over. The, their goals are still attainable. Obviously, you know, one one thing on the checklist, beat Michigan State. That didn't happen. That's in the past. But I don't disagree with them in that this season can still be a massive success. And winning the Big Ten is still on the table. Like it's it's not crazy to think that they can win out. Um, you know, at the very least, you should beat Maryland and Indiana. And, you know, you got these games with with Penn State and, and Ohio State that'll be obviously more difficult. But yeah, this isn't like a death knell for the season, I don't think. No, I mean you saw the rankings come out yesterday. Michigan was still top ten, number nine. The first college football playoff set, uh, rankings are set to come out Tuesday night, and at the end of the day, that's the poll that that really matters. That's going to determine the fourteen playoffs. So if Michigan can find themselves still in the top ten this week, and when the playoff poll comes out, there's still a path there for them to get to the playoff. And and I think that's probably what has folks most disappointed at this point because they're seven and zero, ranked six going into the Michigan State game. There's folks thinking. 
wow, the playoffs still on the table. Maybe we this is the year. And then you go in and lose to Michigan State, and it's like, you know, I get from a fan perspective, you're down, you're disappointed, you're probably really angry, you know, but you're right. There's still, and the players are right when you look at it at the end of the day. If they can stay in the top 10 and they can win out in some some scenario, I still don't think they're going to beat Ohio State, but you, you never know. You know, there's a potential there. You know, they could potentially still get in the playoff and get in the Big Ten title game. Now, they've got probably went out, like you said. There's two winnable games here. Um, you're still looking at, you know, I think at worst, a nine and three season. I know it's not what everyone wanted, but I keep harping on this every time we talk about expectations. Remember what this Michigan football team was expected to do before the season started. They have exceeded that so far. Is it good enough? I don't know. I get it from a fan perspective. You're, you're frustrated. You're, you've seen this movie before. Jim Harbaugh, you know, surprises and then disappoints and expectations are high and they don't live up to them. You know, it's, it's such a tough scenario for everyone. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out, but certainly I don't think it's over. And the Big Ten East is wide open, as we've kind of all seen. I mean, I, I agree about the expectations. It's just, of course, when you start 7-0, and then to finish 9-3 and is, is a disappointment. So I feel like they got to get one of those other two games that we, that we mentioned, Penn State or Ohio State, with Ohio State being, of course, of, of more significance. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're how many minutes into this podcast before we've mentioned anything about the officiating? I'll just bring it up because, you know, people are, are fired up about it. Yeah, there were six replay reviews that all in the end were, you know, went Michigan State's way. I mean, if you think about it, that, that should be what they ultimately determine is the right call. So at times it just means that maybe they just screwed up initially. You know, I, I really didn't have any problem with, with any of them. The Kenneth Walker dropping the ball in the end zone. That was that was real dicey, and it, it's kind of tricky. The ball is maybe starting to move as he crosses, but all you have to do is break the plane. It's no different than if you're you know diving you know on a fourth and one or something to try to get over. Once you get over, it doesn't matter if it gets smacked away after that. You know the fumble recovery in the end zone for Michigan, which was a huge huge swing. That was the one that didn't quite see the evidence to overturn it, and, and that was a big one. But of course, there were there were many other reasons that you know Michigan Michigan lost this game, but they they didn't get any assistance in that regard, I guess. On the fumble recovery in the end zone, Aiden Hutchinson, at the time of the game on Saturday, I didn't see a replay that showed Peyton Thorne's shin down. That was the, the ruling. Once they came back, they ruled him down because his shin was down. I When I rewatched the game today, there was an angle where his shin was down, but it looked like the ball was coming out. So right. I, it's, it's, it's right. tough. It was a close call. When you review those things, there's supposed to be inconclusive evidence to overturn it. Officials thought there were there was, clearly. I don't necessarily agree but, you know, the players, to their credit, they didn't really make a big deal about it after the right. game, at least to us. Now, I don't know behind the scenes. I don't know what was said or everything else. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh was asked about those controversial, I guess you can call them, replay reviews or, or decisions. And he, he said, you know, he made his thoughts known to the officials as the game went on. And that was that. He wasn't into the business of criticizing on, on Saturday, as he has, you know, he's done in the past. But certainly the last few years, he certainly toned it down from, from that regard, probably trying to avoid uh, a fine. After the the touchdown was was overturned on the telecast, you could see they zoomed in on Harbaugh, and you can lip read him saying that's BS. <laughs> so yeah, you could tell he wasn't really happy with that. And I I saw the camera angle where from behind where you can see his shin touching, but then you can't see the ball right on the front of him. So it's like yeah, I just I I didn't see anything to to overturn it. And I know that even Platt and and Dress Johnson were a little bit surprised too. They didn't see it in, in the. I think it was Pereira. It was the rules analyst that came on and said, yeah, I don't think you can overturn this either. So it was definitely a surprise they did, but and then Michigan settles for a field goal and that, those four points were ended up being the difference, but obviously a lot of game was still played after that, but yeah, Michigan had a chance to go for the throat a few times and weren't able to, to do that. 
a lot of points were left off the board by Michigan on Saturday, and that was ultimately the difference in the game. You can criticize the officials. You can criticize anything you want. You know, they did a poor job as the game went on defending or stopping Kenneth Walker. Uh, he's just, folks, he's just a really good running back. <laughs> he was going to get his yards and his touchdowns, I think, no matter what. But Michigan's struggles inside the red zone. They had six trips inside the red zone. Only two of them ended up in touchdowns. That was the difference maker. They should have scored. They needed to score a few more points. They probably should have scored more, a few more points. And that was the uh, difference in the game. You're up 16. The other team doesn't just need to score their two touchdowns. They need to get their two-point conversions, too. And Michigan State hit both of them, you know, so that's obviously a, another thing. It's not a tie game with, without those plays as well. Well, I guess one of those was another one of the reviews as far as guy catching the ball and, and it getting knocked away. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, you don't can't call any, every close loss, a heartbreaking loss from, you know, one team's perspective. Uh, disheartening, I guess, uh, for sure. Anytime you lose to your rival, especially when you, you know, you feel like you could have won the game. But yeah, I think, I think this Michigan team can absolutely still bounce back. And it's just, it's not, it's not crazy to, you don't have to concoct some, you know, uh, elaborate scenarios where Michigan is still in play for the big 10 East there, you know, in the, in the, in the final game against Ohio state. So we'll see how, how that goes uh, this Saturday. They host Indiana for a seven 30 kickoff. I don't know if it's actually seven 30 is probably like seven 45 or something. We'll, we'll see, but I don't know, Aaron, I, w- I was shocked by this. I, I text, I messaged you guys right away. Like, really? This game is a night game? W- what is going on? I, I Michigan can't be happy with this. I kind of thought come November, they could start vetoing these things, but I'm wrong. Yes. There, so, yeah, I think there's this assumption that all November games in the Big Ten are not at night. That's generally correct, but the technical rule is the first 10 weeks of the Big Ten season are up to the TV networks. They, they're they the ones that pick the games and decide what time they're putting the games at. After week 10 is when schools can veto playing night games. Uh, Michigan's obviously not a huge fan of the night games, especially multiple of them and later in the season. So this was the final week of the season where the schools can't say anything. So Fox picked the game up. They decided to put Michigan in that prime time. And that's that. You know, they got Ohio State, Nebraska at noon. They're putting Michigan, Indiana at seven o'clock or seven thirty, probably for ratings reasons. And that's that. Hopefully, this is the final uh, night game of the year. I, I didn't even know this, but I think Indiana's played like four or five night games this year. I, their fans were chirping on on social media. They're upset too. So if you're a Michigan fan, upset or disappointed or whatever, believe me, you're not the only one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not some old man just complaining about all night games. You know, I think they have a place, especially early in the season. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, the SEC and out West, like they play, they play more night games because it's hot during the day. All right. And then, you know, it makes a little more sense to play at night. Not so much here in the Midwest, you know, come November, it'd be pretty cold. And, you know, the weather only gets worse as the sun goes down. So, yeah, that's part of it for sure. I think it's kind of strange, you know, obviously not, not a marquee opponent in this late in the year. It just, it just came as a, a surprise to see, but Michigan's final home game of the year after that, Ohio State, we already know it's at noon, have known that all, all year long. So there's that. All right. Well, stay tuned for more coverage of the Michigan football team on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.